Welcome to the second podcast of my environmental science podcast series where I will continue to talk about the role of satellite technology in climate change research. Last time we talked about the history of weather satellites and the positive impacts they provided, and we also talked a little bit about the negative effects, but we didn't dive in too deep. Today I'm here with Jake, who is a junior at K, just like myself. He's a math major and also a novice satellite enthusiast. So Jake, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Jake. As Grace said, I am a junior math major. Uh, I know very little about satellites, uh, but I do enjoy them. <laughs> Okay, so our first question for you is, what would you define as a satellite? So I suppose like a scientific definition seems like something that would be like a, a device that orbits a planet. Um, but I think I also kind of like to view satellites as a very like science fiction, uh, futuristic piece of tech um, that has like unlimited possibilities as it's floating above our Earth. Or, or I guess above any planet. Yes, <laughs> that is a good definition. Um, so more specifically, though, there are two different types of satellites. There are natural and man-made. Um, so an example of a natural one would be like the moon orbiting the Earth. That, that's an example of natural satellite. Mm. And a man-made satellite is what you're describing. And there are several different types of those. There's communication satellites, remote sensing satellites, navigational satellites, drone, ground, and polar satellites. And a whole another group of them, too. But the one we're going to focus on today is remote sensing satellites, which are most commonly known as weather satellites. Um, so when I hear about, think about like weather satellites, uh, I'm reminded of this book, it's called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Uh, it's a really interesting kind of philosophical book about a like gorilla that telepathically tells this human, like the secrets of the universe and of human civilization. And one of the concepts that come uh, into that book is that humans, as we've like grown into civilization and technology have kind of like departed off of this, this path of evolution. Um, and we will be leading to our own destruction unless we either go back to like a state of nature or if we develop like absolute control of nature. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where like climate change is going. And it seems to me like, like a weather satellite would be this futuristic piece of technology that's trying to control some of nature or trying to like fix this uh, problem of climate change or, you know, environmental issues. But by doing so, it, requires it seems like it would require like rockets and uh the metal that's that's being used and all the, the materials raw materials and it's also perhaps like as it's orbiting perhaps of polluting as well so to me it seems like the question i would have would be uh how much does it actually tangibly benefit uh the like the act of of fighting climate change and how much of it is just another piece of junk that's being thrown into our sky? <laughs> that's a great question um, because th there are both like positives and negatives to this observational tool. And what I would say is like, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, without precise data provided by these satellites, environmentalists and scientists aren't able to understand and predict the impact of climate change. And policymakers are not able to create effective strategies for what to do next. 
And there's there's a lot of positives that we've been able to to see, like tangible evidence of climate change. We've been able to uh, monitor the sea surface temperatures all over the globe. We can see the um, a warming trend. We can see we can measure the CO2 and methane levels in our atmosphere. We can um, monitor the snow cover extent, the extent of sea ice. We can monitor changes in the sun's luminosity and even the cloud change patterns. We're also able to monitor deforestation, which accounts for about a quarter of the global greenhouse gas emissions. And um, deforestation of tropical rainforest produces more carbon dioxide than most vehicles in the world. So what do you think the most important data collected um, from this research is? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like probably the, the important things would be uh, the measurement of gas levels. So like the, the methane and all that. Uh, and I think like the, the sea temperature is also really useful um, and will probably continue to be really useful for the next few decades. Um, I guess the question I have for you then, though, is uh, what is like the development? Like, has there been a lot of tangible development within it recently? So. I know that like all these things are really good. Are some of these things newer than others? Are there areas in which they could continue to go in the future that would bring like more benefit or no? Well, something that we've recently been able to find, um, which we actually talked about in our class, um, we did a homework assignment that had a TED talk that we I actually um, had to watch, and it talked about permafrost melting from climate change and how it's a positive feedback loop because as um, the the permafrost melts, the carbon stored underneath in the soil goes into the atmosphere. And something that we've been noticing recently with these satellites is that they're, they're showing more um, carbon emissions around the polar region, around the, the top, the North Pole area, which is something that we are going to see um, a tangible difference in the future. We can't see it now. Um, all we can see is is these changing methane levels and these changing carbon dioxide levels up in those areas. But the permafrost melting is a very big issue in terms of our climate change crisis. Yeah. So I would say then, you know, with the development going forward, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of benefit, um, but you know, I'm trying to think of, of a world that doesn't create like this sense of, of the dystopian Wally universe where we have tons of you know broken satellites floating around our atmosphere um, in orbit. Uh, and so I, I'm trying to think of like, is the development, the improvements for each of these like new satellites that, that might be being put up there, uh, are they going to be enough to really outweigh some of these uh, negatives. So, I mean, and I, I'm not totally sure what negatives go into it, but I would imagine based off of my media representations that it's not all just uh, fun putting things up into the sky and there's no repercussions. So can you talk a little <laughs> bit about those negatives? Yeah, uh, there, are, there are a considerable amount of negatives 
whenever you're considering a new piece of technology, there is going to be a negative effect on the environment around it. Um, and with respect to, you know, the satellites, you know, flying around the sky, there's, there's a lot of them. There's currently, I think, 126 in orbit right now. And an issue that we've been having, or not necessarily we've been having, but we could have, is that there are a lot of space junk objects in Earth's orbit right now that come off of these satellites. There's about 900,000 that are over a centimeter and about 5,040 that are larger than a meter, um, like going and moving with these active satellites. Um, and about 70% of these pieces are in the low orbit, low Earth orbit, and they can be bolts, paint chips, instrument parts, or entire satellites. And the issue with that is that we could experience a chain re reaction where the one part collides with another, and then another collides with another, and we have a giant explosion in the sky. And what's hard is that producing a satellite in general is very resource intensive. And we need a large amount of elements and raw materials to assemble them. Not just the same materials used for a car, but we need Kevlar, aluminum, silicon. We need titanium and sometimes other elements like nickel, cadmium, aluminum, beryllium, um, which are sometimes tough to find. And the mining of these metals is energy intensive and can be harmful to the environment by contributing to air and groundwater pollution. Um, and then you have to extract it, deoxidize, purify these resources before you can even produce them in like an industry. Um, along with that, the cost is a big issue. Um, often these cost over a hundred million each and that technology is sometimes inaccessible to smaller countries because of this. So, what do you think the um, what do you think is the most detrimental aspect of these negatives? Yeah, so I think that you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier with the, the developmental aspect of like what is the tangible benefit going forward and, and developing more. Um, I think that like putting them up there, I imagine still even like with the raw materials and like the rockets and all that kind of stuff contributes a lot to the, uh, to environmental catastrophe. But, uh, at the same time, we also have to be considering the money that's being put into these, uh, these satellites, if they're not leading all the time to really substantial, uh, like, you know, productive ways to fight climate change then could there be better ways for that those millions and millions of dollars to be reallocated in a way that would create a more tangible benefit to fighting climate change well the thing is that satellites in general and most um space travel in general is not good for the environment our our desire to go to the moon was not good for our planet you know it was good for you know, advancements in technology, advancements in our own knowledge, but it wasn't good for the planet. The only good thing that we have coming from these satellites is that we're able to observe what's going on on our planet. We're able to see what's going on with climate change. 
And that's the tough part is that when you look at it at face value, it's kind of ironic that we're using technology to help us with an issue that was created by technology, um, specifically the Industrial Revolution that kind of started um, the carbon emissions to skyrocket. Right. Yeah. So it seems then like, so I, I was thinking, I'm thinking of like Elon Musk has his, his Starlink satellites. So like he, <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw an article <laughs> the other day that was like, he wants to have something like 48,000 satellites up there by, you know, relatively soon. And, and that is like terrible for the environment, I imagine. And it seems like it's just a horrible idea in that way. But if what he's saying is that it could deliver like basically the fastest internet possible to every corner on earth. And that seems like it could be this like benefit that some people might weigh uh, ahead of the environment. So I think like one of those things to, to think about though, and, and perhaps, you know, perhaps there would be some sort of butterfly effect there of Elon Musk creating this universal internet. And then that leading to some other things that would, that would help uh, fight climate change. And perhaps that would, that would be a good direction to go. But it seems like one of those things with with uh, weather satellites is that it's um, not. Uh, I, it doesn't seem like there's that really boom of something that's going to be really useful if we like continue going on with the the satellites. Mm -hmm. So, do you think the positives outweigh the negatives? Yeah. So, I think that for the satellites that are already up there, I think that the positives probably do outweigh the negatives, and it also doesn't really matter because they're already up there at this point. But the question of whether we should continue going with these weather satellites is a little bit more dependent on the potentiality of uh, future satellites going up there. How much more tangible benefit can it bring by putting more up there? Because it takes a lot of, of natural uh, like issues there. So um, I think that it really depends on what the future benefit would be, uh, whether we should continue doing it, because otherwise the money could be spent in a lot of more clear-cut, positive ways. Nice. Thank you for offering your opinion, Jake. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. But thank you for being on my podcast, Jake. Thank you for having me. I hope that you learned a lot about satellites. Oh, I learned about tons about satellites. <laughs>